Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we talk with two men of faith who strive every day to use their platforms for good. Multi-platinum country artist Josh Turner and NASCAR driver Michael McDowell. First, we welcome back country music star Josh Turner to the show. Throughout his career, Josh has spoken frequently about his Christian faith, and he just released his first gospel album called I Serve a Savior. Josh tells us about his deep roots in the church and gospel music, how he and his family joined Bill and Gloria Gaither to produce the album, and why he feels compelled to be a good example for his fans. I'm Josh Turner, and I grew up in rural South Carolina, and uh, it was just basically a small tobacco farming community, and uh, our church was right down the road, our school was right down the road. Uh, Spent a lot of time outdoors. Um, I grew up in a close-knit Christian family, and um, my grandparents were, you know, both sets of my grandparents were right down the road, too, so everybody was pretty close, and I just had a, a pretty ideal uh, childhood, and I'm very thankful for that because uh, ever since I left home, things have just been kind of crazy and chaotic um, with just the lifestyle and the schedule demands and everything of, of my job and my career. Yeah, when I was freshman or sophomore in high school, uh, I was in church one Sunday, and the older men's quartet in our church, they were called the Victory Quartet, they were singing a few songs and and I, I always looked up to the guy who sang bass in that quartet. I, I just thought he was the coolest guy, you know, around. And I just got to thinking as they were up there singing that morning that, you know, I was like, man, I, you know, I could find three other guys my own age and we could start our own quartet. So I started thinking about, you know, who would be a good fit. And so I found three guys, we, we, we got together um, we found a lady there in the church that uh, started playing the piano for us and started working with us on singing parts and the harmonies and started picking out songs and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was so exciting for me because, uh, you know, I had, obviously I had no way of knowing what I would end up doing later in life, but it was just right up my alley it was it was my forte of just being creative you know working on songs like that breaking them down picking out songs and all that and so that's what we did and uh, we weren't all that great (laughs) but it was fun to do and we sang a lot at our church and then we started going around to other churches and and singing Uh, but uh, you know people loved what we did while we did it so it was fun. When I, when I formed the quartet, we started singing songs that we didn't normally sing in church. We started singing a lot of Southern gospel kind of stuff. Um, and, and we sang some hymns too, but we, we kind of delved into a, a different you know, genre um, of gospel music. And so that kind of you know, opened my eyes and kind of broadened my horizons musically. So that, that was a good experience for me. I've always had a love for hymns even long before I started the quartet. This project is a co-venture with Gaither Music and I, I was so honored and thrilled um, about you know working alongside Bill Gaither and, and Gloria and, and all of them and um, just that whole company and, and when I went up to uh, the Gaither Music Studios in Indiana uh, it was I didn't really know what to expect, but it was such an incredible experience because they made everybody feel right at home. 
all of the production and, and the photography and the audio stuff, everything was top notch. Bill and Gloria both are just a joy to be around and, um, you know, it's obvious to see, you know, why they've been so successful in, in, in music. Um, and like I say, you know, when you get around them, they kind of make you feel like you've known them your whole life and, and they just have that way about them. And so I, I love that about them. And uh, even in the interview portion, like I say, I just felt completely comfortable with Bill. And uh, he, I told him that if he ever, you know, if the gospel music thing didn't work out, he could always become an interviewer. So. <laughs> The title track is called I Serve a Savior, and it's a song I wrote with a buddy of mine, Mark Narmore, and I told him that I'd, I'd love to write kind of like a modern day hymn if we could. And the cool thing about it was I was not working on this record. I had no clue that I would end up doing this record this year. And so I was actually still in the thick of, of working towards my last country record, the Deep South record. and. We wrote the song and, you know, it went into my catalog and, and I didn't think about it really again until this record process came along and I started going back through old songs and I found that and I'm like, man, this would be perfect for, you know, this project. The gist of the song is, is basically, you know, how we were made to, to serve God and, and praise and worship Him. Um, that's that was our ultimate reason for being created. I didn't want to just put my own thoughts and my own opinions in this song. I wanted to put, you know, Jesus's words in there uh, where he's actually talking about servitude um, and and exactly what that entails and what that means. out it's the the title track and and i'm very proud of the way this song came together the river of happiness was written by my wife jennifer and my oldest son hampton when i was actually in a production meeting for this record she had sent me just kind of a work tape of that song um just to kind of see what i, I thought about it and uh because we had talked about possibly having, you know, the boys sing on the record in some kind of capacity. And when I heard the song, I was thinking, man, you know, they could all actually do this on their own. They don't even need me, you know, as a part of it because they're all, you know, talented in their own right. When I listen to the words of it, it's basically, it just kind of talks about, you know, when, when the Lord comes back and creates the new earth and just, you know, how the, the river of life you know, is running through the New Jerusalem and all of that, and and so it, it paints paints a you know a, a mental image, and and it I just felt like it would be a good addition to this record, and it'd be totally different from anything else, <clears throat> you know, on the record. So um, I'm proud of them for for writing it and and performing it as well as they did. Josh has a favorite gospel hymn entitled "Without Him." This song reminds him how much we need a Savior and how we rely on God daily to give us strength. 
much like the song, Josh enjoys reading Jesus Calling for the same reasons. He shares the March 21st entry of Jesus Calling to remind us of these truths. Trust me and don't be afraid, for I am your strength and song. Think what it means to have me as your strength. I spoke the universe into existence. My power is absolutely unlimited. Human weakness consecrated to me is like a magnet drawing my power into your neediness. However, fear can block the flow of my strength into you. Instead of trying to fight your fears, concentrate on trusting me. When you relate to me in confident trust, there is no limit to how much I can strengthen you. Remember that I am also your song. I want you to share my joy, living in conscious awareness of my presence. Rejoice as we journey together toward heaven. Join me in singing my song. Separate from him, you know, we're, we're pretty insignificant. And so, you know, this talking about how he's our strength and our song, um, you know, for me, you know, I could, I could go out there with all kinds of, you know, grand schemes and plans about how I want things to work out. But if he's not a part of, of that, then everything's going to just fall apart and uh, fall flat. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, pretty poignant for somebody who's out there maybe trying to control things on their own or, uh, you know, chart their own path. I've always felt called into country music and, and I, I felt like there was always a specific purpose for me to get into the music business. And so this hasn't been about me even from day one. Um, when I was a lot younger, you know, the, that appealed to me, that whole fame and fortune aspect of it. But as I started walking through it, um, the Lord kept showing me that this is really not about me. Um, this is about the people that I can or will influence uh, by way of the talent that he's given me. And so with every project that I've done, with every show that I've done, um, I've viewed it as a responsibility uh, to actually go out and not squander that opportunity, not you know go out there in vain and, you know, uh, and just waste a night or waste my effort and waste my time uh, on performing or creating music or whatever it may be because I, I have to think that there's, there's always going to be at least one person out there um, that's, that's just hanging on to every word that I say, that's watching every move that I make, and something that I do or say could potentially change their life for the better. And I, I actually had a fan uh, just recently uh, in Massachusetts who actually was a, a, a vet and he had done several tours of duty in Iraq and he talked about how my music had really kind of turned his life around uh, while he was <clears throat> in the service and stories like that kind of help solidify the fact that I have a platform and I can either use it or abuse it. Um, and at the end of the day, I choose to use it for good. Josh's new album, I Serve a Savior, is available from your favorite music retailer today. We'll be right back after this brief message about an exciting new product from Jesus Calling. Hi, this is Mark Lowry, and I want to tell you about a great offer from Jesus Calling and Christian Book Distributors. When you buy the brand new Jesus Calling Christmas devotional, you'll get a beautiful tote bag, a package of Christmas cards, a mug, and a Handel's Messiah music CD, 
all for only $19.95 while supplies last. Go to christianbook.com, and while you're there, be sure to check out my book CD combo for Mary Did You Know, and it's on special for only $5. We got a chance to catch up with our next guest live in Bristol, Tennessee during the NASCAR Cup Series. Michael McDowell has been racing since he was three years old and always dreamed of becoming a NASCAR driver. He achieved this dream, but not without challenges along the way. He tells us about the ups and downs throughout his career and how through it all, he's learned to surrender control and rely on God for true success. I'm Michael McDowell. I'm a driver in the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series. I've been racing in NASCAR for over 11 years and this is what I do. I get paid to go around in circles. I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I was uh, born and raised in Phoenix and a uh, great family, uh, one older brother, and uh, just grew up very modestly. Um, my dad was a newspaper delivery man and uh, had a newspaper route and, um, you know, we just, we grew up very humbly but uh, had a lot of great experiences growing up and we were very family driven and uh, racing was a big part of that. I started racing at an early age and that was kind of the glue that kept us all together and, and gave us um, you know, something to do every weekend and look forward to and it was a big part of my, my upbringing and, and my brothers as well. I started racing BMX bikes at three years old. Um, my brother was a couple years older than me and it was something, like I said, fun to do as a family and uh, that grew into racing motorcycles and dirt bikes and, um, and then from there uh, I started racing go-karts and that was really the transition where I go, okay, this, this is what I want to do. Um, it wasn't a hobby anymore, it was, it was a profession and that was only at 11 years old so it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. I grew up in a great home, but not in a Christian home. So we weren't really engaged in church, but my, my parents were great um, and, and morally sound, and, and it was a, a great upbringing. Um, but God really wasn't a part of my, my upbringing. And, um, you know, really racing was my God. It's what I focused on. It's what dr drove me to do everything that I did. If I got good grades in school, is because I had to because I needed to race. And anything I did was working towards the goal of, uh, of being a race car driver. Um, through that process, I uh, just met a couple individuals um, that lived their lives differently. Their lives looked differently, their families looked different. Um, and really what separated them from you know, other people was just their love for Jesus and um, that was very attractive to me. I, I wanted to know why they were who they were and uh, what made them tick. And, um, God really started pursuing me in, in my you know, young adult age of, of 17, 18 years old during that time. And, um, time and time after again I would meet somebody else that was a Christian and, and they would be influential in my life and then somebody else and somebody else and I uh, got to a point where I really just felt like you know that the Lord was pursuing me and I wanted to know what that looked like and, and, and what it looked like to be on a faith journey. So after becoming a Christian, um, you know, it's really interesting because you hear people have these miraculous stories, right? You know, they get saved and everything changes in their life. And that really wasn't the case for me. And, um, you know, I had a lot of questions. And so um, to back up a little bit, uh, my wife's aunt and uncle invited us to church. And this was right after I felt like God was pursuing me. And, um, you know, the pastor was talking about that you couldn't earn God's grace, that it was a free gift. Um, and so you couldn't purchase it, you couldn't work for it, and it was just a gift. And in my world of racing, you worked for everything, 
if you wanted to go faster, you purchased better parts and better pieces and better motors and better people. And um, so it was hard for me to wrap my head around it, but I knew that I wanted that, that free gift of salvation. And really what, what did it for me was, he said that I could have a fresh start, a clean slate. I could start over today. And I didn't know what that looked like. I just knew I wanted, I wanted it. And so that really began my faith journey, and I started reading the Bible and asking lots of questions and really you know, seeking to know more about who God is and, and what He says and what He expects from me and what does it look like. Um, but that was a process over years. I feel like um, for me, um, I let God into certain areas of my life but racing was one area where I said, hey, I got this. I've had a great career leading up to NASCAR. I've won lots of races and championships, and I was kind of that cocky, arrogant guy that, yeah, you know, I can do it, and I've always had success, and why would that stop now? I and mean, then I got to NASCAR, it's very humbling. Um, everybody at this level, this is, you know, the highest level of motorsports, everybody's won races and championships, so you're just one of those guys instead of being an all-star or standout. Um, and so it's a very humbling sport. So it hasn't looked how I planned it. I planned to come in and win races and win championships. And instead I've been just on the bottom, scraping, crawling, and just fighting hard. So shortly after signing a uh, multi-year, multi-million dollar deal, um, six months into it, I was jobless. And so it's hard to really wrap your heads around that, but uh, the, the sport of racing is like any other professional sport. It can be challenging and it's, um, teams make decisions and you get cut loose and and so you know I was feeling really secure and feeling really good had a three-year deal you know kind of made it to the level I wanted to make it to and then I was jobless with my wife pregnant uh, with our first child and going okay God you got a funny sense of humor I'm really looking forward to what you're gonna do next and um, the next few years I was able to you know just scrape together rides here and there nothing full-time part-time um, just really just trying to stay in the sport and provide for my family and it was at the end of 2010 where I really felt like God was closing the door and racing and I was finally at a point where I felt like I was ready to let go and move on and um, I really was passionate about orphan care and orphan care ministry in particular and um, my wife and I had started the process of adopting but we really felt like God was calling us to more than that. Um, and so we went to uh, Monterey, Mexico and um, spent a couple weeks at a few orphanages there with back-to-back -back ministries. And I didn't bring my phone and computer. I shut everything off and I was just like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And it was the very first time that I really heard God clearly. And I wanna be careful how I say that. That wasn't an audible voice. I had this thought that was so loud and it was over and over. You keep doing what you're doing and I'll take care of the rest you keep doing what you're doing and I'll take care of the rest. And so I didn't know what that looked like, but the God of the universe that created everything out of nothing said he's gonna take care of it. So I can be confident that he's gonna take care of it. And um, I got home and uh, a few days after that trip, um, I got fired uh, from my racing job. And I just said, okay, like God, this is just his next step. He's taking care of it. And, it's very easy to rely on yourself, even in those moments. And I started thinking about like, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I don't have the ability to do it. And all these, you know, the enemy wants to whisper doubts into you. And, and I was just reminded right then and there, the same voice say, you keep doing what you're doing and I'll take care of the rest. That very night I got a call from Joe Gibbs to come drive their race car. And so at those times where you just, you feel like God's closing the door and he is, he's just, 
already preparing and opening up another one. But without that, I think my faith journey would look very different. I mean, I've been fully reliant and depending on God to provide those opportunities instead of feeling like I got it and I'm gonna be able to, and I'm gonna be doing this and I, I, I. And instead it's really been, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to do it? And so it was not until I was at a point of full surrender where I had nothing and I just said, okay, God, everything I have, every ability, talent, whatever it is, it's all yours. What do you want me to do with it? And, and that really, I think, was the turning point of, of God being able to mold and shape me into um, you know, who he wants me to be. And that's a, a long process that's ongoing. So in 2008, I was a rookie in the Cup Series, you know, sort of, I've made it, I've arrived, I'm at the highest level, and uh, the second race into the season, I had a terrifying, horrific crash, uh, one of the worst crashes in NASCAR history, and um, nobody thought I'd walk away, and um, nothing short of miraculous, you know, to get out of the car and, and to race the next day, but it was a turning point in my career, in my walk, that it wasn't about me. And so I, all of a sudden, I went from this rookie nobody knew to having this huge wreck. And I went on the Today Show, and I was on the Ellen Show, and every show that you can imagine, they were showing my wreck and interviewing me. And I was really challenged with, is this gonna be about me or is this gonna be about God? And what am I gonna be about? And am I trying to be famous or am I trying to make God famous? And so do I wanna be known or do I wanna make him known? And so that was a turning point for me to realize that this career and this platform that I have isn't about me and it's not about my career. It's about you know sharing the gospel and being able to do that um, with the tools and abilities and platform that he's given me. Our sport is very uh, fan interactive, right? And so you, it doesn't take much of walking through the garage and seeing that fans have access to drivers and crews and teams. And now with social media and um, everything that's available, you know, our, our platforms are greater now than they've ever been. And um, we have a bigger microphone than we ever have had. And, um, and so for me, it's just being a good steward of that, of knowing that, you know, just because I have a big microphone doesn't necessarily mean that I need to have a big mouth. <laughs> and the things that I say are important. And, um, and so I just try to be, you know, just smart with it and try to um, just be prayerful about it, you know, and, and especially as an athlete and um, somebody that's high profile and in the sense of the public's eye. You know, I just try to make those moments count, and um, but the interactions that I have with fans are great. I mean, um, everybody knows who I am and, and what I stand for, and I've never been shy about it. And so um, sometimes that's good, and people really respect it and like it and appreciate it and it inspires them, and sometimes, you know, you catch the raft of it too. Um, but for me, you know, I just feel like it's um, what an amazing opportunity that I have to um, share the good news. Michael has a big heart for helping other people, and he tries to maintain a strong relationship with God so that he can pass on God's love to others. Michael admits that keeping a strong connection to God in such a fast-paced world isn't always easy. You know, I, I believe that, um, that what we allow in is what comes out. And so if we're in the Word and, and if we're listening um, to podcasts and we're listening, you know, for me, Kayla of our Christian radio and, and it really affects um, every aspect of what we do during the day. And so 
Um, for me, the way to, to stay plugged in is to be plugged in and to be plugged into the right sources. And so, um, you know, being in God's Word daily and being in prayer daily, now that that's inconsistent and it's messy and it doesn't always look good. It, it might be 30 seconds one day and it might be three hours the next. Um, but just those moments, you know, and, and for me, I've found with kids in particular, it's really difficult is, you know, you have, you have carpool lane and drop off and pick up and you got lunches and messes and fights and all these things. And so I've tried to create these transition periods, you know, whether it's when I'm driving before I get home or before I go into a meeting or before I go to the shop of just being intentional of, of breaking up those days of like, okay, God, I'm going here. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Who needs an encouragement today? You know, and, and then just after I get done with that, all right, God, I'm on my way home. Time to hit reset. What do you want me to do and how do you want me to do it? And and just being just in those short moments of, of being able to just reorient your heart and your mind around, you know, what, what God would have for you in the world that's busy with lots of distractions. And uh, in racing, it's loud, and you guys can hear it in the background now. There's people everywhere, and there's sound, and there's media, and there's things happening. Even even in a quiet place, it's not quiet. And so just finding those opportunities to just get quiet and to be still and listen to the Lord. And um, and and like I said, it's messy. I don't have it right, uh, you know, but I've, I've learned to to sort of have that gut check of, I know when I'm veering off. And, and that's what's so awesome about God is that He doesn't look at you and go, man, you screwed up, you missed it. It's been four days since you had a quiet time. You can stop in that instant and hit reset. I mean, and it's no different than that first message that I heard, heard was having a fresh start and a clean slate. You can do that daily, you can do that hourly, you can do that by the minute. And, um, and so when I feel myself getting agitated and short and, and I just see my flesh just roaring its head up, I just know, okay, it's time to stop and it's time to hit reset. A friend of mine, Trevor Bain, um, we have Bible study together here at the racetrack and um, probably my closest friend and just a godly man and um, and him and his wife got this devotional and he said you gotta check it out and, and so I, I got one and uh, downloaded the app and the first you know month it was so impactful it literally felt like God was talking to me daily it, it was I even started to question like okay how did this book get written you know, how was it inspired? Because it was like every single day, the Lord had a word for me through this devotional. And even today, when I picked it up, I just looked back at yesterday, and yesterday was such a struggle, and we had such high hopes and expectations, and we had trial after trial after trial, and, and, and this morning to, to open up uh, Jesus Calling and read the devotional of, of facing adversity and, and what that looks like and how we're gonna respond to it was like, even today, it still hits home. And so, um, and God's Word, we know that's what it does, is that it's alive and active, <laughs> and um, and we just have to be in it. Today is August 18th, and we're at Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, and after having a, a real struggle yesterday, um, I opened up uh, Jesus Calling and, and read this morning that um, on August 18th, expect to encounter adversity in your life. Remembering that you live in a deeply fallen world, stop trying to find a way that circumvents difficulties. The main problem with an easy life is that it masks your need for me. 
When you became a Christian, I infused my very life into you, empowering you to live on a supernatural plane by depending on me. Anticipate coming face to face with impossibilities, situations totally beyond your ability to handle. This awareness of your inadequacy is not something you should try to evade. It is precisely where I want you, the best place to encounter me and my glory and power. When you see armies of problems marching towards you, cry out to me. Allow me to fight for you. Watch me work on your behalf and the rest in the shadow of my almighty presence. And so that, that hit home for me is that, um, you know, with these trials that we face that, that God knew they were coming. He doesn't wake up and go, man, I didn't see that coming. We feel like that, but he saw it coming and he fights those battles for us. Every Saturday morning, Michael participates in a NASCAR Bible study for other drivers. He talks about the group's humble beginnings and the joy of watching the group flourish under God's hand. We started in 2009, and it was one of those things where we were like, oh man, only one or two of us are going to show up. And in the first few weeks, you know, we just said, okay, you know, let's get together, let's pick a spot, pick a time, and, you know, we'll spend 30 minutes, we'll study God's Word, we'll pray together, and, and uh, we'll do this weekly. Um, and the first couple weeks, there was there was just three of us, and and but we knew that God called us to do it, and so we stayed faithful. And um, and you know, a few months later, we went from three to four, and and God was just moving, and people were getting saved, and then we were five and ten and fifteen, and um, it just started growing and growing. And and since then, people have moved on to different careers, and have, you know, moved you know different areas and things, but. Um, it's the one thing that I come to every week in this racing community where it's my reset that we talked about of just getting into God's Word, having accountability, and doing life together, and just being real and being real with people. And this sport is very challenging to have real relationships because everybody thinks you're after their job and you're after their sponsorship. And this is not a team sport. There are teams but it's the individual driver that's driving the car on Sunday. And, and as you advance in your career, you're moving up. And when you move up, you take somebody's job. And so everybody has their guard up and everybody's defensive. And so uh, to see God just take and knock those walls down over years is, uh, has been awesome. And there's just so much that has come from the study from, like I said, people getting saved to you know their families being restored to the wives going, okay, what happened to my husband and what did you do? And, and he's changed so much and them getting saved and starting a women's Bible study and they meet at homes during the week and we are not created to be loners and to do it by ourselves. And, and God created us with that need for community and that need for him. And um, there's nothing like being surrounded by a group of uh, believers and, and watching people grow and flourish and challenge. and. Um, it's really cool. God has just revived this community, um, and, and I'm thankful that I got to be a part of it. Um, I always thought, you know, that, that I would be full-time ministry and doing something radical and, and living in third world countries and, as a missionary, and, and God has me right here. This is my mission field. And, um, and even the times that I've pursued to try to leave, you know, God continues to open the door. And, um, but it doesn't come without trials. And it's, it's, you know, it's part of our walk. I mean, um, 
It doesn't take very many stories in the Bible to see that God's people struggled and that it was it was hard and you just had to have faith and you just had to keep being obedient and God would provide, but it didn't mean it was easy. And uh, there's a lot of times in this sport where I wish it was different and I wish it looked different, but I just know that God's faithful and he has me where he has me and I'm gonna be faithful and obedient you know, in the process. You can catch Michael driving in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series every Sunday. Check your local listings. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we talk with Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny is an evangelical author, radio host, and founder of Johnny and Friends, an organization dedicated to accelerating Christian ministry in the disability community. God takes no pleasure in diseases and disabilities, stroke, a cancer diagnosis, no. But God will permit what He hates to accomplish something that He loves. And what could He possibly love above, above quadriplegia and chronic pain? How about Christ in me, the hope of glory? Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.